Hi everyone, welcome to another podcast here at CMRT. Um, this is your host Ben and Alex here. We're going to start doing this thing before each podcast where we do a little intro, a little check-in just to see how we're doing. And actually it's great uh, that we're starting this with the podcast with our new member Eric because one of the things that they said is, you know, we all ask each other all the time how we're doing but we don't really mean it and we don't really answer it honestly. And so one thing they suggested is instead of how are you doing to ask, how's your head and how's your heart? And so Alex, we're gonna start with you today. How's your head and how's your heart? I love this question so much. Um, My head right now is just a little bit cloudy. Um, I've been struggling lately with keeping really busy. Um, I've been very, very busy. Um, I have a bad habit of taking on too many things at once. So that is something that I'm kind of working on right now. So I'm trying to um, stay on top of everything. So that's been kind of tricky. Um, My heart is pretty good. Um, I planned a camping trip coming up where I'm going to get off the grid for a few days. I'm very excited about that. Um, And yeah, my heart's doing pretty good. What about you, Ben? How's your head and how's your heart? Oh, that's awesome. I'm so jealous of your camping trip. But before I go, you have to you have to give the people what they want. How's your dog? Uh, yes, of course. Barry, I feel like I'm going to have a weekly pup date. I think that's going to be part of this opening segment. Barry, I think we need that. <laughs> Barry is doing great. We are almost finished with puppy classes. Um, so we've just been doing some really basic obedience class, and he's doing really well. He's getting enormous. And uh, he just saw snow for the first time today, which was very fun. Wow. I haven't lived in Chicago for eight years, so I feel like I just saw snow for the first time today. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so I just got back from a trip to Colorado. So my head and heart are stupendous. Um, did a lot of hiking, did like a big solo trail run, um, was in Aspen for a little bit. Uh, which was super weird for me because I have been to the Aspen Festival for the last couple summers and being there when it's not the summer and there's not like a violin case in sight everywhere you look um, (laughs) was a little weird. But uh, no, it's great. I mean, we should make use of the opportunity to do stuff in the outdoors while we can around here, right? Agreed. Yeah. Was it snowing or had it snowed in Colorado? No, it was gorgeous. And then it was smoky. Oh, because wow. there are a lot of big fires out there, so that's not not good. Actually, we were I drove there, and after like fourteen hours of driving, we finally got you know to like the Denver area, a little north of there, and there was just like this giant wall of smoke that Whoa. we were driving into. Um, so that was scary. That's super very intense. scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're gonna get into the podcast with Eric now, uh, there's one thing in particular that really stood out, to, stood out to me that I loved, which is what they say about the word bipolar being used as sort of a slang descriptor. Like, oh man, that was so bipolar. He was so bipolar. She was acting totally bipolar. I feel like we hear that stuff all the time. I hear it about OCD all the time. Um, I have OCD, so that's something that has always really stood out to me. Um, and has always bothered me. And it's really hard to know how to respond in those kinds of situations. Um, So I think Eric has a lot of great stuff to say about that. And without further ado, here is the latest interview with Eric. Um, This interview was done by CMRT member Laura Yanni. Enjoy, everybody. Well, hi, Eric. How are you doing? I am good, Laura. How are you doing? 
I am excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today and just chat a little bit. I'm so excited to hear more from you and um, for our listeners to hear more from you. So thank you so much. I would love to just start off if you would tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I am a native Chicagoan born and raised in Rogers Park. I had a pretty musical upbringing, actually started on the violin at age four, but percussion was the most busy activity of my upbringing. I was really fortunate to be a part of a youth group that met at Symphony Center called the Percussion Scholarship Group. So that was a really, really wonderful part of my early years. And percussion ultimately brought me to New York. I lived in New York for five years, did my undergraduate studies at Manhattan School of Music. And it was during my time there where I started to get interested in conducting. So it took some time after that degree to explore that and ultimately decided to come back to Chicago, where I now am a student at the Vandercook College of Music working on my master's in music education. So it's a wonderfully varied life for me here in Chicago, where I still take percussion gigs and I conduct when I can. I actually started an ensemble last year called the Millennial Chamber Players. So we do projects when we can. Even then we did last month a little outdoor pop-up thing doing what we can during this COVID era. And yeah, focusing a lot on teaching pedagogy, learning new instruments, and thinking about what a life in the classroom would be like. So keeping busy, now part of CMRT, and I'm so excited for that. I think the mission is so strong and I'm looking forward to seeing what impact we can all make together. Wow, that's um that you're busy. <laughs> you're doing a lot of things. Well, yeah, we're, and we're I, I saw that in Millennial right Chamber now, Players so. performance a little while ago, and it was just so great. It was so great, and it was so nice to to meet you. Um, and here you are. Here you are. So, um, so what did bring you here? Um, you're new to Classical Musicians Roundtable, and yeah, what brought you here? Yeah, so I first heard about CMRT. I guess several people in my network are associated with the Civic Orchestra, and several people on the team here are involved there. And I first saw some posts, yeah, about how CMRT is focused on discussing mental health in the classical music field. And I was so moved to see that because the connection between those two, mental health and classical music, has inherently been a front and center topic for me for a long time. Classical music has really been my true purpose since about age 16. So almost 10 years ago, it's really felt like my whole world. And mental health is something that has always been an obstacle. I think a lot of us, especially at this time, I mean, certain feelings of of anxiety are, are pretty widespread and pretty felt. But I think anxiety is something that even since I was young, I felt. And a little bit over two years ago, I actually was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which perhaps instantly when I say it, I think the word itself even has this stigma where it just sounds like something that is so severe and so tragic, but it's an illness that is is so manageable and life can be so comfortable with, with the right tools to make it work. And I think what I've gone through the past few years have really helped me just live a really comfortable and stable life as a person in general, but I think also my experiences have taught me a lot about what it means to be a musician. And I think, yeah, that connection is something I'm really excited to discuss further with the folks at CMRT. Awesome. That's great to hear. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your story. I think um, you touched on a really key point, um, which was kind of a a foundational uh, principle for CMRT, which was the, the, uh, like, undeniable intersection between our, our mental, our mental wellness, our mental health, and what we do. Because as you said, like, it, classical music has the tendency to become someone's world, to take over 
your life and when you have such um, an enmeshed relationship with music and yourself, um, it becomes all the more important to um, be taking care of our brains. So um, what has managing your own illness taught you about life and about being a musician? Sure. So I can speak first to bipolar disorder, which I feel like it does disappoint me to feel that it's it's an illness that's quite misunderstood. I feel like I often hear it as a sort of slang descriptor, like, oh, he got all bipolar on me. He was all calm, and then he started yelling all of a sudden. I feel like people say that all the time, and it's a shame because it really, that's not what the illness is about. It's really more about weeks, months, sometimes periods as long of a year where the energy level and the state of mind are different, sometimes pretty extreme on one end. So what that's meant for me as a person and also a musician, I mean, sometimes periods where, I mean, I think this is something any musician can relate to, where there's, we have periods where we're especially inspired, we're especially motivated to work and very confident in ourselves, then also periods where there's a bit of a rut and it's hard to keep it going. But with an illness like bipolar, it can it can be that, but just a bit more complicated. So yeah, sometimes periods where I have had moments where I felt like my my big break was upcoming and that I was really just the next big conductor <laughs> waiting for their moment, which I'm I'm laughing about it just because it's it's hard to bring oneself down from that sort of place because obviously we all want to love ourselves and have faith in ourselves but within reasonable healthy boundaries so yes occasional moments of just in this inflated sense of self but also on the other side of things like yeah unfortunately sometimes moments where I must snap myself out of thoughts that I can't do anything and there have been moments where I've had thoughts that I just don't think any of this will work. I probably should just end it all, which it's hard for me to say out loud, but I do think I think suicidal ideation is something that is more common than we might want to discuss, but I think it's something that everyone finds their own way to push past and to recover from. So what navigating these sort of different periods has meant for me, what it's really taught me is just about rational thought and thought challenging. So I... I've seen a couple different therapists in the past few years and learned about a different a couple different types of therapy and I think what I've really taken the most from especially in my musical practice is some things that they say in CBT and cognitive behavioral therapy and what yeah what that's taught me is they say one thing that I really like as far as our relationship to our thoughts is they have this saying like they say don't think about the pink elephant you know what I mean? Like the the idea of telling yourself not to think a thought actually just reinforces that thought. Like you say, don't think about the pink elephant. What do you picture in your head? So I think, yeah, a lot of navigating just irrational thoughts and trying to sort of center oneself has to really, it entails replacing a thought. So if if I do have a moment of just thinking that I'm the next big thing, it's, it's not telling myself to snap out of it. It's saying, Eric, you... You have what it takes. You are gifted. You are bright. But be patient, and you have to put in the work. And on the other side of things, if I'm having a period where I really just have no faith in myself, I say kind of the same thing. Eric, you're bright. You can do this. But be patient and put in the work. I think there is truly no replacement for hard work. But I also believe that 
hard work is something that cannot be achieved if one is not being kind to themselves. So, yeah, I, I've taken... It's, it's been a huge takeaway from, from therapy and just facing my own mental health, just thinking about rational thought and our relationship with our thoughts. And also, I can just speak a bit to anxiety, which I feel like is something that, yeah, a lot of us are feeling right now where we're stuck in the house and the whole stay-at-home thing is weird and lots of us where our careers are, we're not sure really the direction that it's headed. And I think, I mean, the best sort of succinct thought that I can have for myself with managing anxiety is what is the next right move? What is the next thing for me to do? Especially, I mean, this can be applied to any any situation for particularly any music students watching, or if you feel like you have all these things to accomplish, all these things to practice. Often, yeah, the, the best thing to tell myself is what is next? Like, let me just come up with a logical plan for me to do what I need to do. So, yeah, really just, yeah, it's about talking to oneself and really just trying to limit the thoughts to what is going to be best for me. Am I thinking clearly about this? How can I just get everything done? So, yeah, it, it can be a wild ride sometimes, but I, I do feel that I'm, I'm looking ahead with a pretty, pretty positive outlook. Wow. I just think that's all so amazing to hear a lot of what you're saying about um, changing thoughts and observing thoughts just resonates so deeply because that's a huge part of my therapy work that I've been doing in the past like six weeks or so. Um, And like separating yourself from the thought and like observing them and then interrogating them is a bit of an aggressive word, but thinking about that, it's like you're thinking about thinking and the, the, the process of, of rewiring your thought process is just so hard, but I relate to you so much in that it's extremely helpful. It's extremely, extremely helpful in how you can't just say, don't think that, don't think that, um, you have to replace that thought with something that's more helpful. So, so much of that resonates and, um, yeah, I just, I love that all so much. So um, kind of in that vein, what are you working on lately? Whatever that, that means to you professionally, personally. Sure. What am I working on? Well, I guess I, I think a lot about my my conducting and just where I'm headed musically. And I think actually what I finished about a month ago at that concert that I was so glad that you were able to attend. Yeah, that was a recent project of mine and it was it was so much fun to put together a concert at this time and it just felt like there were just so many obstacles in the way (laughs) with yeah getting the outdoor space and all that stuff but yeah that was so much fun because I I feel yeah I'm headed in a direction where I'm starting to sort of take more ownership about how I study how I prepare how I lead a project so that was fun and I guess what I'm working on now is just kind of thinking about what's next, particularly for millennial chamber players. It's not practical really to give another concert at this time, but thinking about maybe another spring outdoor thing, thinking about things on the development fundraising side of things, which you know we talk about CMRT. It's always a very, very busy topic. And keeping busy with school, the education coursework is really fun because it's a lot of stuff that I'm reading and writing about, really interesting philosophers that I'm studying and also learning a bunch of new instruments as the music teacher should be able to teach a lot. Laura and I, before we started recording, we we're just talking about the trumpet and some of our, our least favorite instruments to have learned. Some people make the trumpet sound beautiful, but I am not one of those people just yet. So keeping busy with school, my own projects, and yeah, just staying in the house as we do in 2020 and trying to keep myself 
occupied and inspired. Well, you certainly sound occupied and like you've got a very full plate. And so we're just so grateful that you're taking taking time out of your life to to work with us and, and contribute here. And we're so grateful to have you. Um, so speaking of the organization of classical music, classical musicians roundtable, woohoo. Um, you know, we're 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 coming off of these internal conversations about mission um, and vision and our values and. Um, what change would you personally like to see in the classical music community in regards to mental health? Yeah, I think, well, I'm already just so glad to see that the kind of spaces that CMRT is creating with with this podcast. I've really enjoyed listening to past interviews with the blog, with several of the coffee tables where yeah, any given topic, people are just invited to log on to Zoom and share. I think I'm so glad to see that those conversations are happening here. And as far as continuing that change in classical music, I think, yeah, I would like to see more resources available for students at the conservatory and music college level. I think a lot of these schools do offer counseling services, but it's often you're allotted a certain amount of sessions before your allotment time's up. Like something like, I think, yeah, when I was an undergrad with without me having to pay, it was maybe something like six sessions, which it's just a shame. And I know, I mean, healthcare insurance, we could talk about that endlessly, but I think, I just think mental health access, it's so important. One of my, one of the therapists I saw a while ago told me something that I I just keep bringing up, which is, it is literally impossible for any person to have full awareness of their psyche. We all have some blind spots somewhere. So, I am very team everyone should be in therapy. Easy for me to say. I am <laughs> sometimes can be quite trouble, but no, I think everyone everyone can get something out of it. Where there's yeah, there's some space of our brain, some side of ourself that could use some unpacking. So I think yeah, specifically in our field as we've discussed, I don't think in other fields what people do for their work and their identity are so closely intertwined. So when the career falls, the self can also fall too. So I think I think whether it's therapy or just a counselor, whatever you call it, someone to to talk to that has no bearing on your life. I mean, friends and family, those are great. But I think it's nice to have someone who just is there to to listen. So I would like to see that more available at music colleges and through music organizations. And I also think that music teachers at the college level can learn a bit more, too, about what their students experience. I think I would be happy to see some sort of mental health sensitivity training um, made a part of music colleges. Because I think, yeah, I think th- this generation, it's it's just different. I think, I think we are encouraged to lean more into our feelings, which in, on one hand can be a good thing. I think we're a sensitive bunch, but I also think, I think we just, we feel things very deeply in general. And I think the music students, yes, can, can perhaps in general, get more more support from their teacher. And I know every teacher sort of draws the line for themselves in their own way as far as their involvement, but I think it's something that music professors should be really aware of and sensitive to. So I think whether that's something that CMRT helps facilitate or get going, some sort of professor training, I think that would be great. But I think I think long-term, I think I'm, I'm just happy to see mental health be discussed more with, with less stigma and with without apology and yeah, I would love to see us keep that going. Wow, thank you for all of that. I am in complete agreement. Um, oh, there's so much to touch on. And I love I love the point that you made about 
teachers and, and honestly, like any, you know, conductors, professors, um, admin, like developing more of a, a widely accepted like sensitivity for their students mental health and which is like not too far away from um one of our really core values that we like, that we call holding space right we talk so much about holding space um and it i completely agree i think that um in the the future that we envision um it involves administrative leaders artistic leaders and and teachers and professors truly truly holding space for the the humanity of their students and that informs a whole conversation about boundaries as well but i think that getting all of these musicians from from multiple generations right from the emerging professionals and the students and the established teachers getting us all together to to grapple with all of that um is a huge long-term endeavor, but I think um, needs to happen in some capacity in order to get towards what uh, what you're touching on. So I completely, completely agree. Um, and as far as what you know, CMRT is doing. Um, what are some goals that you have for CMRT? Yeah, I think I think let's keep it up as far as the the podcast. I think I like that. Some of the guests are people of our own generation, sort of colleagues of one another that are able to share their experience, and some that are a bit more, a bit older and a bit further in their career who can provide some perspective. But yeah, I'd love to see just, yeah, more more guests who really are passionate about this topic, and I think the coffee tables are great. I look forward to a point where we can actually all meet in person and have a coffee together and talk about it. At this point, it feels millenniums away, but you know, we'll, we'll get there. And yeah, I, I wonder if CMRT2 could make steps to sort of achieve what I was discussing about some sort of training put into uh, music school practices or helping music schools develop better counseling policies and um, availability for counseling. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a quite ambitious goal to really try to make a impact at that sort of larger institution level. But I think we're we're a bright and very motivated bunch, so I look forward to seeing yeah what we are able to accomplish. Yeah, me too. And like I look forward so much to working with you and working with the rest of the team on doing exactly that. Um, you know, it feels um, with an organization being so young and moving so fast, um, it feels like we want to do so much so quickly. And it's like it's only October. Like we have we have the time and we have the space and. Let's do it. So I'm in complete agreement with you. Um, I want to ask you about if you could give your younger self any advice. Little baby Eric, who's just starting out their musical journey, um, what would you tell yourself? Oh, wow. Just starting out their musical journey. Well, I guess... Oh, now I'm thinking about which which Eric to talk to. I feel like I've <laughs> had so many different paths and so many different moments. But I guess the first thing that comes to mind is maybe a bit or later than my true beginning of my musical journey. But I, I guess late college, soon to graduate, Eric, I would say, Eric, you feel like you're stuck on this very particular path within classical music. And you feel that you've been set on this track and it's hard to sort of break from that. And... I would say, Eric, no one's keeping you there. Your life is yours. You really should 
go where you're called, go where you're inspired, and really just believe in yourself and put in the work. And I also would would tell little Eric that, you know, your teachers really are trying to help you. I think I've always had this issue and still do where I tend to take instruction pretty personally and think that something that needs to change in my playing or my conducting is is something against me. So I would shake <laughs> shake old Eric and also maybe smack myself current self into this just saying like your teachers are trying to help you and they're any feedback any pushing in a certain direction is because they they see that potential and they yeah believe that they can that you can accomplish what what they're suggesting so yeah i would say don't be so hard on yourself listen to your teachers listen to the the root of what they're saying and and get to it try to make it happen and you can do it thank you so much for sharing that yeah i think all of those wise words are something that, that I certainly wish that I had heard um, back in school as well. And I think that's something that we're also trying to accomplish at CMRT is being able to share those thoughts with one another now um, and hopefully make them a little bit more present, make them a, make that advice a little bit more present in um, the dialogue in our in our industry. So thank you for sharing that so much. Um, before we wrap up, the last thing I just want to ask you, um, is what is something that gives you hope? Something that gives me hope? Well, I am hopeful that we will push past this weird quarantined COVID-19 way of living. I've talked to several friends who have said some things along the lines of, wow, it's going to be so nice to play with the full orchestra again, or can you think about what it's going to be like when we can go to concerts again? It's just smiling and laughing, talking about it, because it's it's just so weird. This is so unnatural and so weird, this way that we are living right now. But in a sense, I I do have hope for when, when this can resume, and I think I'm hopeful that we all will return to the normal ways of music making and music concert going. I think we will return with a new level of passion and excitement and gratefulness for for what music is able to do for us i think we're doing a great job about making it happen on our own with our own virtual projects and our distance ensembles but i'm I'm very very hopeful for for what's going to happen in the years to come after we recover from this this period awesome yeah i echo all of that thank you so much for sharing and eric it was so great to to really dig deep into into the stuff with you so thank you so much for talking with me today absolutely thank you for having me awesome all right thank you